If you have your Bibles, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start our reading in Matthew 4, verses 17, and then uh, we're going to keep going through, but we're going to focus our time today on Matthew 5, verses 6 through 8. But just to catch the context, we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 17. And so friends, listen, this is the word of Christ. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is God's Word. So we started this series on finding happiness in unlikely places. And last week we saw that you can find happiness in honesty. Jesus said, blessed are those who are honest about themselves. Uh, Today, we're going to see that Jesus also pronounces a blessing on the hungry. A blessing on the hungry. I think all of us were hungry Our lives are filled with hunger, different kinds of hunger. We have a hunger for love. We have a hunger to be in relationships. Uh, We have a hunger for justice in the world. Uh, We have a hunger for pleasure. Uh, Some of us have a hunger for control. And we spend our lives feeding these hungers, feeding the different ways that we're hungry. And, And it's interesting because sometimes... Uh, these hungers, they're so insatiable, um, they're, they're, they're so constant, that we get so used to feeding the hunger that we become addicted. For so many of us, and it's not just people who are alcoholics or drug addicts, but for so many of us, we are desperately addicted to the hungers that fill our hearts. There are people who long for rest or escape, and they do get addicted to drugs and alcohol. But there are people who long for pleasure, and they get addicted to pornography. There's people that long for acceptance, that hunger to be accepted, to have somebody affirm them and and welcome them and, and, and accept them for just who they are. And they can have a tendency to put relationships as first and foremost in their lives. They become addicted to being in a relationship. Till other people have a hunger for success. And if that hunger is not checked, that hunger for success can make your career into an addiction. Almost like a false god. You know, it's interesting because hunger is universal. All of us have hunger. It's part of our nature to be hungry. I mean, not just physically, but in these other ways. And addictions happen when our hungers go unfulfilled. 
That's where our addictions come from. Here's a quote from a book that I've been reading. It says this. It says, Capacity for unbridled desire is an indication of our needs. The fact that we have these unbridled desires, it's, it's a window. It shows us about the depth of our need. That desire burns, this book goes on, and it can only be satisfied by God. This author said, I'm convinced that God put this capacity for addiction into our hearts. It's part of our human nature so that we would find and not be satisfied until we found ourselves in the presence of God who loves us with a limitless love. Isn't that good? That, that the reason that we have the capacity for addiction is because there is this hole that is inside of us that God has put there, that hole that will not be filled until it's filled by someone who can love us with an infinite love. Jesus tells us today in these two verses, in verses 6 and 8, how this hunger that dwells in you can be satisfied. You can take your hunger and you can bring it to God. Last week, in a sense, Jesus left us hanging. Actually, Jesus didn't leave us hanging. I left us hanging because I stopped Jesus at verse 5. We saw last week that Jesus says, Blessed are the honest. Right? Blessed are those who are honest. Well, the final step of that honesty is to be humble before Jesus, to be teachable. And the question is, well, if you decide to do that, and many of you committed to that, you said, okay, I'm going to admit that I'm weak. I'm going to be sad over my weakness, and I'm going to humble myself so that Jesus can, so, so that Jesus can teach me. And the question is, well, what does Jesus have to teach? If you humble yourself before Jesus, where will he lead you? We're going to see it today. From these two verses, we're going to see that Jesus would say, if you humble yourself and come to him, Jesus says, blessed are the hungry if you take your hunger to Jesus. Blessed are the hungry if you take your hunger to Jesus. And we're going to see this in three points today. And the first point is the hors d'oeuvre of righteousness. Good luck spelling that one. You know, there's sometimes when you type and Microsoft Word will catch your spelling mistakes. And sometimes they correct them automatically, but not with hors d'oeuvres. I had to go on to Google and search for the word hors d'oeuvre knowing I was going to misspell it. And it comes back and it says, oh, did you mean? And it had the right spelling there. So H-O-R-S space D apostrophe O-E-U-R-V-E-S. The hors d'oeuvre of righteousness. And I don't think you're supposed to pronounce the S, because in French you never pronounce the last consonant, right? So, the S is silent. Okay, yeah, the S is silent. So it's the hors d'oeuvre of righteousness. That's what we're going to see first. The hors d'oeuvre of righteousness, because this is what Jesus says. Blessed are those, verse 6, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, it's, it's right living. It's perfection, it's fairness, it's justice, right? When the things that are supposed to be done are being done, it's right and wrong. We see it in ethics, 
There's both personal righteousness, but there's also societal righteousness. Righteousness is what we are to hunger for. And I think that all of us have a sense of this. Right? We all are provoked inside of us. Um, we all, our hunger is stimulated when we hear about injustice that goes on in the world. Right? We, we want to be part of a world where things are, are right. We actually, we want to be part of what's right in the world. Okay? We get frustrated sometimes when we hear about things that are wrong and can't do anything about them. Right? You want to know that you're part of the solution to the problems and the brokenness of the world. You want to have a sense that your life is helping others. Um, and you also have the sense in you that you want to be doing something with your life that matters. Something that's bigger than you are. Um, and so you, you, you long. If you have that longing, that's a, that's a hunger for righteousness. Um, think about your relationships. You want your relationships to be worth something, right? You want to be of value to others. You want to have a sense that other people love you, care about you, but then are cared for by you. That their lives are better because they know you. You want, to, you want to be trusted by people. You want to be loved by people. You want to love them in return. And then I think all of us also have a longing in our hearts to be connected to what is spiritual. Most of us have this really strong sense that this world is more than just matter in motion. or more than just atoms and molecules, but there's something about us that we have a mind that can't fully be explained by the, the physicality of the brain, right? That, that when you feel love for someone else, that that's not just the chemicals in your body tricking you into committing, right? We have this sense that there's something more. And, I mean, obviously, we're in a church. We, you know, we also have the sense that there's a God out there, that there is something out there that makes it all make sense. And, you want to connect to that. You want to feel like you're connected in to that, whatever it is. These are hungers that we have for righteousness. We want to understand the world and be connected and have a place in it. And Jesus says, if you hunger in this way, Jesus says you're blessed. If you hunger for these things, Jesus says, blessed are you. That God blesses you when you hunger like this. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's really, it's the next step in the process that we began last week. Right? You're poor, you're empty. Right? That's what we saw last week. You're sad about your emptiness. You're humble about it. You're willing to be taught by Jesus. Well, the next step is that you want that emptiness filled. As you declare that you are empty, you want to be filled with righteousness. You want to know what to do. You want to know how to do it right. You want to know what would look... You want to be righteous. And the question for us is, where do you find this righteousness? Where does it come from? It comes from the one who's talking to us. It comes from Jesus. This is why he came. 
Jesus came because he knew that there was this insatiable hunger and thirst within humanity to feel whole. Jesus knew that this insatiable thirst and hunger in our hearts could only be filled by God. And so he came. He came to bridge the gap between us and him so that we could be filled. Jesus, in his life, was perfect. He was absolutely perfect. And if you long for righteousness, Jesus offers to be a mentor to you. He will teach you. You can become like him. Because when you think about the situations in which you're empty, the situations where you're broken, the situations where your life isn't working out the way you want it to, and you begin to imagine what Jesus is like, you begin to imagine what Jesus would be like in your situations, you begin to think about and you begin to know what he would do. And this begins to give you a taste. Now, does it satisfy? I don't think so, not yet. Not yet. I mean, hors d'oeuvres aren't meant to satisfy. They're meant to tantalize. What we need to do is we need to go on to the feast. And the feast is verse 8. And it's our second point. So if we have the hors d'oeuvres of righteousness, point one, our second point is the feast of God's presence. The feast of God's presence. In verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. So if hungering and thirsting is the hors d'oeuvres, then to be pure in heart means to sit down for the main course. To be pure in heart is an intentional plan to understand who God is. Jesus says it's a blessing to be pure in heart. And so this is the next step. Um, because to be pure in heart is to, have, is to be undivided. Right? That's what the word pure means. When you think about pure gold, you know, if something is made of pure gold, then it's gold all the way through. Something that's gold-plated has as thin a coating of gold as they could possibly justify putting on in order that the longevity of whatever you buy with it, it won't rub through, right? But, but to be pure gold um, is to be consistent throughout. And so pure in heart means having integrity, right? It, it means someone who is the same way in every situation, Right, someone who's consistent in every area of their lives, all their relationships, um, their, 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 their home, their family, their work, their neighbors. Now listen, this doesn't mean perfect. Okay, but again, remember, it means honest. That's where it starts. It means to be honest. The opposite of pure in heart is hypocrisy. Okay, and this was a huge problem in Jesus' day. It's a huge problem in our day too. It's a big problem in a lot of parts of the church. You know, where people act one way when, they're paying attention, when people are paying attention, and then when nobody's around, they act in a totally different way. Or 
You've got people who impose standards of righteousness on other people that they themselves aren't trying to follow. These are people who have divided hearts. Right? They think differently about themselves as they do about others. Or their heart is to be devoted to God when other people are around, but then devoted to control, pleasure, you know, something else when no one else is around. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. I mean, in one sense, if if hungering and thirsting for righteousness is sort of the externals of right living, then the blessing on the pure in heart comes inside. And so Jesus is pronouncing a blessing on those who outside and in are honest and have integrity. And this really is the the progression. This is the next step. I mean, I know some of you gave me some feedback last week. You didn't know that there was a progression in the Beatitudes, but there is, right? And if if hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's, it's like once you've tasted the right way to live, once you've tasted the right way to be, then the question that God wants to ask you is, okay, now that you've tasted righteousness, are you willing to forsake unrighteousness? Will you devote yourself to righteousness? So it's one thing to taste it and say, wow, you know what, it feels really good to do the right thing. Then God says, okay, well, how would you like to taste this in every area of your life? How would you like to deepen your experience of this in every aspect of who you are? And so in that, your taste, your your hunger for righteousness prompts the question, will you say no to things that are not righteous? Will you allow God to work in your heart so that it can be pure? Jesus says, if you are willing to do this, if you are willing to have a devoted heart to God, a heart that is devoted to him, then you will see God. That's what it says, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want to know how your hunger and thirst for righteousness gets satisfied? by seeing God. <clears throat> there are so many people who when they have this when they, when they think about who God is, their their image of God is that God is up in heaven with a baseball bat <clears throat> and he's just getting ready to knock your knock your block off if you step out of line. Right? That is so many people's view of who God is. And so for some people the idea of seeing God is not necessarily a blessing. But you need to understand that because human beings were confused about who God was, God came to reveal himself to us. God sent his son into this world so that Jesus would reveal God the Father. 
<coughs> Jesus says in John 6, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when you think about righteousness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Jesus also had a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, it's really interesting because Jesus uses this term righteousness. Jesus um, comes to be baptized by John in Matthew 3.14. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And if you were with us when we preached through that, you'll remember some of what I'm about to say. But so for Jesus, in his mind, when he was trying to manifest righteousness, when he was trying to show what righteousness looks like, what God, a righteous and holy and a perfectly righteous God looks like, Jesus reveals that. And in Matthew 3, Jesus tells us that righteousness looks like the Son of God coming and identifying with sinful people. What is righteousness is a perfect and holy God coming into the world and finding people just like you, just like me, and saying, I want to be near them. They long to be right. They are willing to be honest. Because remember, John the Baptist was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so when Jesus came into the world, what was righteous for him was to say, these are my people. And I am proud to stand with them. I am proud to identify myself with them. That is your God. That is the God that you will see as you hunger and thirst for righteousness and as you devote yourself and your heart completely to him. That's good news. So far beyond, so different from a baseball bat and someone ticked off is Jesus showing us what righteousness looks like by coming and saying, you are my brother. You are my sister. And I love you. You are why I'm here. And so when you understand this, when you understand this is who God is, boy, it makes you want to draw near to him, doesn't it? Like, I want to be with that God. I want that God to be true. If only it could be true, right? That God would love us that much. And yet, Jesus says it is. Why wouldn't you want to be pure in heart, solely devoted to this God? Jesus, when he talks about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, he's not so much trying to make you feel guilty for all the areas when you're not righteous. When Jesus talks about those who are pure in heart, he's not so much trying to get you to feel awful about yourself because there are these two or three different areas of your life. There's this one relationship. There's this one thing that you do or that you did in the office. Like, the Spirit may be bringing those things up, but the reason why Jesus talks about those things is because Jesus says, 
I want you to have life. I want you to experience God's blessings. I want you to know the happiness of being in a right relationship with God. Because if you can understand these things, then there is nothing that anyone can do to you to take away that happiness. And so Jesus brings up being pure in heart because that's the road to you experiencing eternal life. That's how you can begin to experience the blessings and the glory of heaven right now. Before you leave, we get a taste of it in our worship, right? For some reason, because of our wiring, for so many of us, singing does this for us, right? We think about God, and it's like when we're singing, I think it's because when we're singing, it's like we're speaking, but singing, and we're using our bodies, and, and we're just more engaged than if we're just talking, that we're, we're devoted to God. We're focused on Him. And it's not impossible to be distracted when you're singing, but it's a little bit easier, right? And during those moments when you feel like you're in the presence of God, when you're singing to Him with all of your heart, Jesus is saying, that's what I want you to experience at home. That's what I want you to experience in the workplace. That's the, that's the feeling that I want you to have in your relationships. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they'll be satisfied. Blessed are those who are pure in heart because they will see God. Um, and, and as you do this, as you, as you confess, again, about those areas that you might be thinking of where you're not righteous or where you're not fully devoted to God, just be honest. Because remember what Jesus said before this. He said, blessed are the honest. Confess that you're empty, you're spiritually poor. Be sad about it and say, Jesus, I'm humbly bowing before you. You will be comforted. And Jesus will begin to fill you with his righteousness. He'll fill you with his presence. You'll begin to see Jesus. When you do this, you'll, you'll see him more clearly in your prayers. You'll see him experientially in your thoughts on his righteousness because you'll actually know as you conform your life to be more like Jesus, as you purify your heart, to be more devoted to Jesus, you're going to have experiences in your life where you'll be able to say, I don't just know what Jesus would do, but I know what Jesus actually does in me because I've done it. I'm not perfect. I still struggle with sin. I'm still, you know, I'm still, this is still a work in process, but I've gotten a taste because I've followed Jesus in areas of my life. And so you'll actually know him better. Not just know him up here, but you know him in here and in your hands and your feet. Through what you do, you will know him. And what's exciting about this is that when you see the fruits of this, as you become um, progressively more like Jesus, as you as you confess the areas that aren't like him and you begin to see your heart purified, what you'll actually see is the gospel at work in your life. 
Okay? Because Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection was his work for you. He died for your sins so that you'd be forgiven. He rose from the dead so that you can know for sure that, God's, that God is satisfied. But what happens when you allow Jesus to have first place in your heart is you begin to experience the gospel of Jesus' work in you. He covers you with his righteousness so that when God looks at you, you're perfect. That's the basis for your relationship with God. But then he opens up that robe of righteousness and he begins to work inside of you. You experience his presence in you. Not just his presence on you, it's a both and. And as that happens, as that happens, you see God in you. Jesus said at the very beginning of his ministry, he said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means it's right here and you can see it in you. You can see his work in you as you devote your heart to him, as you confess and you're honest with him and then you hunger after his righteousness. As you purify your heart, you'll see his influence and his presence in you. And then, and this is, this is the joy of having a relationship with God, right? This isn't just a one-time thing. This is, in, this, is a, this is a relationship. And as you see this happen in your life, God becomes more and more and more real to you. You will see him more and more clearly. In your prayers, you'll understand who he is better. When you read the Bible, more of it will make sense to you because you will have experienced more of it in your own life. And so this is the feast of God's presence. Um, and so let's, let's talk. Our, our third point is just how to eat. Okay? It's how to eat. So we have the hors d'oeuvres of his righteousness. We have the feast of his presence. Our third point is how to eat. What do we do with this? Um, practically, what is this going to mean for you right now as you're sitting here listening? What is this going to mean for you as you leave? What is this going to mean for you tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, at home, in your neighborhoods, in the office? What does this mean? Well, what I'm doing here is I'm inviting you to go deeper with God. That's what I'm doing. This is how you experience God and his blessings. It begins, again, with being honest. God will meet you in your honesty and bring you into his family. And then it's giving. It's taking the hungers in your heart. It's taking every single one of the things that you hunger for and bringing them to Jesus. That's what it means. That's part of how you go deeper with God. It's taking to God every hunger that you have and going to him with it. St. Augustine said this, in three, but he lived from 350 A.D. to 430 A.D., so just a couple hundred years after Jesus lived. And he might have said it yesterday. He said this, he said, My heart is restless, O God, until it rests in you. My heart is restless, O God, until it rests in you. And so how do you eat? <clears throat> well, in order to eat properly, you need to understand what you are. 
Um, I talked about this last week. You're a funnel. Okay? This is who you are. This is how God has made you. It's not a mistake that you're a funnel. Okay? And when you go to God because you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, God will fill you. Let's see if I can do this right. You, you go to him for righteousness, and he fills you. Right? The longings of your heart, the addictions that you struggle with, the pornography on the internet. You go to the Lord with that and you say, God, I am hungering and thirsting for you to make me whole. When you do that, God begins to fill you. Bummer. You're at work and you know that in certain relationships you are prone to manipulate to cut corners, to make yourself look better than you do. Because you have a hunger to be successful. Or you have a hunger for approval. Or you have a hunger just to be lazy. You take those hungers and you go to the Lord and you say, God, this is an area where I am empty. God, this is me in this area in the workplace. I feel awful. God, I hate this about myself. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be characterized like this. God, I need you so badly. God will fill you up. Bummer. Why does God do this? Like, why not just put a a cork in us, right? So that the blessings that you receive today in worship would actually stay with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for at least six days, right? Why not? Why does he do this? It's because God wants a relationship with you. God has made us this way so that we will never, ever get far from him. God has built us with an insatiable hunger that cannot be satisfied unless he is pouring into us. He wants us to be near him. Like, that's what's interesting. God's not um, a genie. He's not an ATM machine that is just sort of available whenever we need him, and then we just sort of forget about him when when we don't need him. Like, God wants a relationship with us. Actually, in order to get... The righteousness, right? If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you get it from Jesus. He gives it to you, and then you live it out. And then you drain as you live it out. And then, because Jesus wants you to go back to him. He wants your life to be characterized by a relationship with him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to be devoted to him because that is what's best for you. That's what brings real joy and happiness. If Jesus gave us the blessings so that we didn't need him anymore, that actually would not be a fulfilling life. Our hearts are restless until they rest in him. This is who God has made us to be. We're funnels. We've got to understand that. Robert, last week, actually, after the sermon, said, you know, what's 
interesting about a funnel is all you need to do is make sure that you stay under the waterfall. It's brilliant. So all you need to do is stay under the waterfall. And you get under the waterfall by hungering and thirsting for righteousness. By purifying your heart. So I've been doing this um, in my heart freshly as I've been getting ready for this sermon series. And here's a prayer that I wrote this week. It's just sort of an overflow of what I've been experiencing from God. God, I'm hungry. God, you are the answer. And you have all that I need. In this area of my life, you have power. You have wisdom. And you have a plan for me. You are righteousness in Jesus. You did righteousness in Jesus. And you, Jesus, are now in me. And I'm secure in my relationship with you. And so, Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm imagining Jesus in my situation. I'm longing to be like him. And then I'm reminding myself of the promise that he's in me. And I can feel his love in my heart. I can feel his courage well up in my soul. I can feel his patience creeping into my being. And I act out his works as a sign of faith. When I pray that way, I'm satisfied. I am truly and honestly satisfied. One specific area that I was thinking about this week was the area of lust. Lust, you know, guys struggle with this. Women struggle with it too. Women lust after different things. Some women lust after things sexual, but some women lust after emotional fantasies. Um, And as I was praying through this area and applying this progression, um, I began to think through this, and I was praying before the Lord, and God showed up. Because I thought about how would this apply? Well, It would apply, and I'd invite you to pray this as I read this to you. Lord, I'm empty. I'm empty in this area of sexual purity, and I'm sad for what I do and what it causes. And I'm humble before you. God, I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness in this area. I so need you, Lord. I want your righteousness, your perfection. You don't do what I do in my mind, with my eyes. Lord, you cover people with your heart, not your eyes. Lord, you don't hunger to look upon what isn't yours. Lord, you don't feed off the streams of others, even when they were offered to you. And Lord, it's when I cleanse myself that I see you even more clearly. Lord, you know the sins of others, others that tempt in this area, 
and you want to set them free. You don't give in to those sins. You don't take tastes of those sins. And Lord, when I think about you, I begin to see you. And this seems like a deep well of righteousness that is accessible for me to swim in. Lord, when I draw near to you, when I think about your heart and your character, I'm drawn and filled with your heart and your character and your desires. That changes my heart. Coming into that prayer and leaving that prayer, I'm a different person. Because I've hungered and thirsted for righteousness. And I've purified my heart. And I can see the Lord Jesus. I can see his righteousness and his perfection. And then the gospel tells me that he lives in me if I'm trusting in him. And then I begin to feel him well up in me. And I'm changed. This is how it works. This is how we follow this pathway of blessedness. <clears throat> I mean, it's really, <clears throat> it's really simple. Let me just give you the steps on how to do this. You see an area of your life where you're weak. That's step one. You acknowledge it before God. That's step two. And then you hunger and thirst for his righteousness to be more like Jesus. And then as clearly as you possibly can, you picture Jesus in this area of your life. This is where the power comes. What is he like? What was he like? How does he think and feel? What does he do in that area? And then you've got to preach the gospel to yourself and remind yourself that he is in you. As you do this, you will be transformed. This is what it means to behold the face of God. Because God has revealed himself in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. As we behold the glory of Jesus his perfection and his righteousness. We begin to grow to be like him. If you're not trusting Jesus, this is the path to experience an end of addiction. This is the place, he is the place that you can go so that you can be set free from addiction. So that the hunger in your life might find real satisfaction. If you admit you're a sinner, humble yourself before him and hunger for his righteousness. He'll forgive your sins and bring you into his family. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that when we contemplate your righteousness, 
and being pure of heart that you draw us in, you don't cast us out. We confess that we are unrighteous and there are parts of our lives that are impure. But God, we hunger for you. Jesus, we long for you. Fill us with your righteousness. And Lord, enable us to spend time with you. It's as we seek you in your word, as we spend time in prayer, as we communicate with each other, as we deepen our friendships, or you show up in those ways and you help us experience your presence new. Lord, satisfy us. Help us to see you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.